Thank you for listening to our Emmanuel Baptist Church podcast sermon series by Pastor Sean Cole. Emmanuel exists to display God's glory, declare God's gospel, and to disciple for God's great commission. If you have any questions about this message or would like more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.ebc-online.org. Now here's Pastor Sean. We live in an age of anxiety. This past year and a half with COVID and all of the aftermath related to COVID has made a major impact on our lives. And as a pastor, I can't tell you how many times over the past year and a half I've had people come to me and express that they're having a higher level of anxiety, a higher level of stress than maybe any other time in their lives. There was the anxiety of the lockdowns back in the day. There was the anxiety of how your children would do schooling. Would they go back to school? Would there be in-person schooling? How are we going to make this all work? Some of you did not get to have graduation the way that you wanted to or to have your high school prom the way that you wanted to. There's the anxiety of getting COVID and not knowing how you will react. And now I guess there's the Omicron variant that's supposed to be coming from South Africa. Another issue that we have to deal with. Not just COVID, but there's major inflation in our country right now. There's the supply chain issue. There's increase in violence in many of our major cities across America. There's a general sense of angst in our nation. Just two weeks ago, USA Today and Suffolk University released a poll and they found that 66% of respondents thinks th- think the U.S. is on the wrong track. We're going in the wrong direction. While just 20% believe the country is going in the right direction. Anxiety is at an all-time high. You go to the gas pump and you have sticker shock. Because you maybe can't afford to fill your tank. You go to the grocery store. And you try to make ends meet because the prices have increased over the past few months. And then you ask yourself, okay, with all this stuff going on, what's Christmas going to look like? Am I going to be able to afford what I want to afford? Am I going to have to cut back? Will I have to wait on travel because it may cost too much? Am I going to have to cut back on presents? So there's been COVID. There's been political issues. There's been economic issues. But let's just make this very personal. There's been a lot of rough things that have happened over the past year in many of your lives. In the past 12 months, I've done four funerals for church members and my own grandfather who passed away this past summer. So we as a church have experienced loss of loved ones, loss of jobs. Many of you have shared with me that you're worried about the future. And as we begin Advent season with Christmas, there can be a heightened sense of anxiety with just the Christmas season. So anxiety may be on top of everybody's list. And then last week, in our passage before us that we looked at last week, Jesus told us the parable of the rich fool who laid up treasures for himself 
and was not rich towards God. And I challenged us last week to begin to be faithful in our tithes, in our offerings, and giving. And when we begin to take a step like that, we automatically begin to get anxious, to get fearful. The rich fool was oblivious to God's blessing in his life, as you remember from last week. And then you ask yourself, okay, if I begin to be rich towards God, and I begin to be rich in generosity, how will I provide for my family? How will I pay my bills? How will I make ends meet? It leads to anxiety. And so Jesus knows our hearts. He knows that when we begin to think about financial giving, it could lead to anxiety. And so here is the next section in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus deals head-on with anxiety in all types of, of manner of ways that we can be anxious. So let's read this together, and I want you to pay careful attention to the wording that Jesus uses here. So let's look at Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 22. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Oh, how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with the treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Right off the bat, I want you to notice how many times Jesus uses the word anxious. Verse 22, do not be anxious about the basic necessities of life, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. Verse 25, he uses the word anxious. Verse 26, he uses the word again, anxious. Verse 29, he uses a similar Greek word, worried. Anxious three times, worried. And then in verse 32, he's got fear not. Worry, anxiety, fear. Now, I want you to notice these are all in the negative. What we're not supposed to do. Do not be anxious. Do not be worried. Do not fear. These are things that we're not supposed to do. Yet, what's our natural tendency? What's our natural tendency in the age in which we live? Our natural tendency is to worry, is to fear, is to be anxious. 
We stress. We worry. And here's the main idea for this morning. Here's the main point of this passage of Scripture. The greatest cure for anxiety is a trusting heart. If we're not supposed to be anxious, if we're not supposed to fret and worry, then what are we supposed to do? We have to have an antidote. We have to have a cure for that. Well, the cure for anxiety is a trusting heart. And I'm going to explain that to us this morning. So how do you not be anxious? How do you not fret? How do you not worry? Well, I want to see this answer unfold in three ways or three parts this morning. And so Jesus is going to give two examples from nature, and then he's going to preach the gospel to us. So let's look at the first, an example from the birds of the air. The ravens. Jesus says, there in verse 24, consider the ravens. Look at the ravens. Think about the ravens. These birds, they they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Think about a bird for a moment, a raven. They don't work for a living. Have you ever watched birds? They don't work a day in their life. They're scavengers. They're kind of dirty little animals if you think about it. Birds don't work. Birds don't have to provide for themselves. Birds just get food. And they don't have barns. And they don't have storage houses. God takes care of the birds. He feeds them. And Jesus argues from greater to lesser. Jesus says, listen, if God provides for these birds who don't have to work a a day in their life, they just kind of get food, God provides for them, how much more is God going to provide for you because you're more valuable than a raven? You're more valuable than a bird. You are a created child of God who has been created in his image. God loves you. God will provide for you. He will take care of you. Why should we worry since God will provide for our daily bread the way he provides for the ravens? And then in verse 25, Jesus deals with an issue that all of us probably deal with. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Anybody want 25 hours in a day? Is it going to happen? No matter how hard you try, can you, can you make there to be 25 hours in a day? No, you can't add another hour to your life by worrying. Did you know that worry is one of the greatest thieves? Worry is one of the greatest thieves. It steals your time. You spend all your time consumed and worried and fretting. It steals your time about things you can't even control. Worry steals your sleep. Restless nights. Can't sleep. Lying awake in bed with a knot in your stomach. Steals your health. Sometimes leads to ulcers and other physical complications. And then ultimately, worry steals your hope. If you're consumed by worry, you'll eventually be led to despair. All of us have dealt with worry. Back in February of 1997, Um, the company that I worked for went out of business. And it was about this time that Don got pregnant with our first son, Aiden. And so as you can tell, as as a dad, a future dad, I was worried about how I was going to provide for my family. And so for that period of time, 
you know, I got a little bit of a severance package, but we were just kind of a lot of worry during that period of time. What was going to happen? What, you know, new, new son on the way. And then finally, about a month before our son was born, God provided us with a, a job that, w- that was a pretty good paying job for a guy in his, his mid-20s. And so all of us have spent time worrying. And I remember there being sleepless nights where I couldn't go to bed at night because I worried about how I was going to take care of my family. And so Jesus' point is this, anxiety will eat you alive. It will it'll consume you. Anxiety causes you to fret about things that you can't control. And Jesus drives the point home with the second word, the second use of the word. Look at verse 26. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour span to his life? If you're not able to do this, a small thing, is that, why are you anxious about the rest? Three times. Anxious, anxious, anxious. What's Jesus' point? Don't be anxious. God will provide for your needs. Your food needs. Like He feeds the birds. So that's the first illustration. Consider the birds. God feeds them. He takes care of the needs. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about it. God will take care of you. Now, second... An example from flowers. Consider the lilies of the field. Think deeply about flowers. Do flowers work for a living? No. Do flowers do anything that requires effort? What do flowers do? They grow. And God makes them look beautiful because that's God's job to make flowers look beautiful. They just bloom. Ravens don't work for food. Lilies don't work to have beautiful flower things on them. Yet God provides for their needs. Think about it. Insignificant birds and flowers that are going to wither and die and just blow away. The things that don't last forever. Isaiah 46 through 8, a voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And then Jesus again argues from greater to lesser. Verse 28. God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. How much more will he clothe you? Martin Luther made an interesting statement about flowers. This is what he said. Quote, The flowers stand there and make us blush and become our teachers. Thank you, flowers, who are to be eaten by the cows. God has exalted you very highly that you may become our masters and teachers. Flowers. Birds. Verse 28, Jesus gets to the root of the problem. At the end of verse 28, what does he say? O you of little faith. The root issue is a lack of faith. A lack of trust in the goodness and sovereignty of God. What's the clearest sign you're lacking faith in Jesus? What's the clearest sign you're lacking faith in Jesus? When you have anxiety. When you stress. When you fret. So what's the best cure? 
If Jesus says, oh, you little faith, what's the best cure for anxiety? A trusting heart. When you are anxious, what do you need to do? You need to stop thinking about your problems and instead focus your heart and your mind on God, who He is. Do you stop thinking about your problems and begin thinking about the goodness of God, the grace of God, the faithfulness of God, the promises of God? Psalm 77, 12-14, the psalmist says this, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You're the God who works wonders. You've made known your might among the peoples. Notice what the psalmist says. He says, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to think. I'm going to ponder upon the works of God, the the glory of God. And so when you begin to get anxious, what do you need to do? Stop, take a deep breath, and begin to think about God, the glory of God, the wonders of God, the power of God. The promises of God. How has God been faithful to you in the past? He has been faithful. How has God answered your prayers in the past? How has God never left you nor forsaken you in the past? You see, when we begin to worry, when we begin to fret and wonder, how will make ends meet? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to afford that medical bill that just came in that I wasn't prepared for? How am I going to pay off my major debt? How am I going to survive on only one income? How am I going to do that? In verse 29, Jesus says, Do not seek what you are to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. Now, the word worried there is a different word than he used before. Now, three times he used anxious. Now he uses a different word, worried. This word worried was used of a ship that was tossed about on the sea like in a hurricane. A ship tossed at sea. What does worry and anxiety do to you? It makes you like a ship tossed on the sea. You toss, you turn. You're churned up on the inside like a, like a ship that's out on the sea in the middle of a hurricane. You're in an emotional frenzy. You, you, you got a knot in your stomach. You're tossed to and fro. It's very interesting how God works things out. As I was writing my sermon, sometimes I'll put Pandora um, stations on and listen to it. And I was, I was listening to Pandora piano hymns of worship on Pandora. And, and guess what song just randomly came about as I was typing this? Like literally, I was typing out the sermon and this song came on, Standing on the Promises. <laughs> I'm like, I stop, I'm like, wait a minute. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. And here's the second verse. Standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. The howling storms of doubt and fear. I was looking up that Greek word, worried, it means to be tossed about on the sea, and then God 
plays standing on the promises, talking about the howling storms of life. So perhaps you've come in here today and you've got the howling storms of life going on. You're tossed about like a ship on the ocean. And the hymn writer will tell you, stand on the promises of God. Don't be anxious. Think about the promises of God. Focus your heart on the promises of God. Oh, you of little faith, trust in the promises of God. So what's Jesus' main point so far? Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. He gave us the example of the ravens that God feeds them, the lilies of the field, God clothes them. If God feeds birds and God clothes flowers, He can feed you, He can clothe you, God can take care of your basic necessities of life. But the third thing that we see in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus preaches us the gospel of grace. Jesus preaches the gospel of grace. Now you may say, I don't see him preaching the gospel here. Let me explain this to you because this is, some, this is a jewel here that you will get. Look at verse 31. Instead, instead, instead of what? Instead of being anxious, instead of being worried, instead of fretting, instead of being a, a ship tossed on the sea. Instead, what are we to do? Seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. Jesus says it a little bit different over in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6.33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. Now, remember who Jesus is talking to here. He's no longer talking to the crowds. If you look at verse 22, he's talking to his disciples. He's taking his disciples aside. He's no longer talking to the masses. He's talking to his disciples. So these are, these are guys that are already in the kingdom. So you don't seek the kingdom in order to get saved. You're already in the kingdom because of God's grace. And so what you do is you seek the kingdom as a saved person. So what does it mean to seek the kingdom? Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, that He rewards those who seek Him. God rewards those who seek Him. So how does God reward you when you seek Him? What does it mean to seek Him? How does God reward you? That word seek means to seek diligently, fervently. Okay, so let me ask you a question. What is worry? What is anxiety? You're fretting, you're panicking, you're seeking answers, you're trying to find solutions, you're stressing out all over the place, you're putting time and energy into worrying about things, you're seeking the things of the world. That's what the Gentiles do. Notice what Jesus says there. Verse 38, all the nations of the world seek these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Those who don't have God as their father run around like chickens with their heads cut off, fretting and seeking and searching and trying to find answers and putting all their time and energy into worrying. And Jesus is saying, if you want to put time and energy into something, don't put that time and energy into worrying. Put that time and energy into seeking. Diligently seek the Lord. I want you to pay close attention to all the things that God alone does in this passage. That God does. This is why it's the gospel. God does some things for us here. In verse 30, what does God do? God knows that you need them. He's all-knowing. 
He knows everything down to the smallest detail of your life, what you need. He knows it. He's intimately familiar with it. He knows what you need. Verse 31. Seek His kingdom and all these things will be added to you. God will add these things to you. You don't have to work for these things, just like the, the birds of the air don't have to work and the, and the lilies of the field don't have to work. You don't have to work for these things. God grants these things to you. He takes care of you. Verse 32 is probably the most important statement in this entire passage. I've been meditating, meditating on this passage all week. Verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not. Okay, fear not. Before it was don't be anxious. Second time, don't be anxious. Third time, don't be anxious. Fourth time, don't worry. Now, fifth time, he says, do not fear. It's all wrapped up in the same package. Fear, worry, anxiety, fretting. Don't fear. And what does he call his disciples? Little flock. You're my little flock. Which means that Jesus is the shepherd. He's the good shepherd that's taking care of his little flock. Reminds me of Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does want mean? I shall not lack. I won't have any, any needs. God, my shepherd, will take care of me. Now, notice what it's the Father's good pleasure to give you. Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, the word good pleasure is very interesting there. It shows up in two other places in the New Testament. Good pleasure. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Purpose of His will is also translated the good pleasure of His will. So it's God's good pleasure to plan your salvation in eternity past and to adopt you into His family. That's God's good pleasure. It takes God, God loves to adopt you into His family. Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So when you take all these things together, it's God's good pleasure to elect you, to adopt you, to save you, to work in you. And then most specifically here, it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now what do we mean by give you the kingdom? We don't build the kingdom can't earn the kingdom. We don't even advance the kingdom. The only thing we do is we receive the kingdom as a gift. That's why I said Jesus preaches the gospel to us. There's not anything in here for us to do except for to trust and receive. Oh, you of little faith, seek the kingdom. Seek the face of the Father. Trust and it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. It's God's good pleasure to give it to you. Now, what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom that God gives you? Well, the kingdom is God's rule and God's reign in your heart every time the gospel's preached. 
When the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and the fact that Jesus is Lord and he comes as the king of the kingdom, when we hear that message of the gospel that God has saved us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and that he is king, that kingdom comes to reign in our hearts and Jesus gives us the kingdom. Which means that we are loyal subjects of the king and we receive all the good things that the king of the kingdom has for us. Because it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, to give us grace, to give us forgiveness, to give us all these things that will be added to us. Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. When God gives you the kingdom, that means he works all things out for your good. Because he loves you. When God gives you the kingdom, that means he takes care of you as a child. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The greatest cure for anxiety is a trusting heart. A heart that trusts in the goodness of your Father to give you the kingdom. To give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock. It's the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom to take care of you, to provide for you, to love you, to encourage you, to give you the kingdom. Paul must have known Jesus' words here because in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it sounds very, very similar to what Jesus says here. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. I think I've heard that before. I think Jesus told us three times, right? Do not be anxious. Do not be worried. Do not fear. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says it a little different way. Jesus says it this way, seek the kingdom when you're anxious. Paul says, pray and present your request to God when you're anxious. It's the same thing. Seeking the kingdom is the same thing as praying. When you're anxious, you seek the kingdom and you pray. Now, what does God give you when you seek the kingdom. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What does Paul say the Father gives you when you seek Him? Peace that passes all understanding. The way that God gives you the kingdom, one of the ways God gives you the kingdom, is to give you that peace deep in your heart that passes understanding. That amazing sense of peace and contentment and calm. That's your Father's good pleasure to give you. The peace that passes understanding. Isaiah 26.3 You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Oh, you of little faith. Don't be anxious. When you trust, you hit peace. When you present your request, you receive peace. When you seek the kingdom, the Father gives you the kingdom. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Peace. 1 Peter 5.6-7 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. Seek first the kingdom, and it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't be anxious, but by prayer and petition, present your request to God, and he will give you peace, the peace that passes understanding. He cares about you. Cast your cares upon you. So why do I say the greatest cure to anxiety is a trusting heart? A trusting heart. Well, Jesus brings it home in verse 34. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's the condition of your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it the heart flows the springs of life. Guard your heart. Where's your heart today? Is your heart tossed about on a sea like a ship being battered by the storms? Is your heart fretting? Is your heart anxious about the future? Psalm 8611, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Is your heart divided? Do you have a fearful heart? Or do you have a trusting heart? Proverbs 12.25 Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Is anxiety in your heart weighing you down? Are you weighed down by anxiety? Or are you trusting in the good word? It says there, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Now, we often think that good word comes from somebody else. Hey, I'm going to give you a good word. Do you realize that the, the good word is the gospel? The gospel is the good word. The kingdom. The power. The glory. Is Jesus saying to you this morning, oh, you of little faith, are you trusting in me? Don't be anxious. Don't fear. It's, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, to give you grace, to give you peace, to forgive your sins, to take care of you. You're more valuable than the birds of the air. You're more valuable than the lilies of the field. You're a dearly loved child of God. You're saved by grace. God will never let you go. When we're worried, what we need most is the gospel truth of who God is. So let me just ask you a question. Who is your God? And my God. Who is your heavenly Father who promises to give you the kingdom, who takes great pleasure in giving you the kingdom? Who's your God? Well, let us think deeply about who our God is because when we think, when we trust, when we seek... He gives us peace in the kingdom. Listen to some of these psalms. Psalm 37, 5. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. Trust in Him, and He will act. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He'll act on your behalf. 
Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Cast your burden on the Lord. Cast your anxiety, your burdens, your, your stresses on the Lord. He'll sustain you. That means He'll get you through it. He'll take care of you. We did this during our, our prayer time earlier. Psalm 94, 19. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Maybe you came in here with many cares. Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not. Sound familiar? For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Let me just read, read, let me read that again. Fear not. I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. You know what the word dismayed means there? It means you're looking down in bewilderment because things are just so crazy. To be so overwhelmed with anxiety. Fear not, I'm with you. Do not be overwhelmed and dismayed with anxiety. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. It's God speaking to us. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is the Father who loves you. This is the Father who promises to give you the kingdom. This is the Father that gives you the peace that passes understanding. This is the Father that we're to seek. The greatest cure for anxiety is a trusting heart. The question is, are you trusting in your good Father? Are you trusting in all the things that you're trying to control and seeking all these things and being anxious and fretting and fearful? Is that your, is that your gaze? Or are you trusting in your Father? Are you having a heart of trust for your Father? Are you trusting in the goodness of Jesus to take care of you? Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord, your God, who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Fear not. Memorize this. Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I would say as your pastor, fear not, little flock. We're kind of little, aren't we, in the world's eyes? Fear not. It's our Heavenly Father's great pleasure to give us the kingdom. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We can walk out of this place knowing that we've got the kingdom because we serve the king of the kingdom and it's his good pleasure to give it to us. And he gives us that peace that passes understanding. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And if you come into this place with an anxious heart, you have my full permission to cast all your anxieties on Jesus. He can handle it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And would you spend time, if you are anxious this morning, or you have anxiety in your heart, or you have fear in your heart, would you just spend some time taking that to your Father through Jesus, His Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit? Jesus, we come before you this morning with grateful hearts, 
We're your little flock. You're the great shepherd, the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And Jesus, you tell us, it's the Father's great pleasure to give us the kingdom. What a great gift. Help us to walk out of this place with joy and contentment and peace in our hearts, not anxiety or fear, because we serve the king of the kingdom who is in control of all things. You feed the birds and you clothe the flowers. How much more valuable are we in your eyes, Lord? Lord, if there's anybody in this room that's just overwhelmed with anxiety, worry, fear, they're like that ship tossed on the ocean. Lord, I pray that you would give them a peace that passes understanding. You would do a deep work of grace in their hearts. They would turn to you. They would trust in you. Their eyes would be fixed upon you. Lord, help us to have trusting hearts this week. And thank you for your grace in our lives and your goodness and your power. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.